These are the dialogues of a peculiar character. My name is Thomas Gideon. Join me in chasing my peculiar passion for beer and brewing through conversations with the amazing and curious people who work in the beer industry. I look forward to sharing with you the fascinating stories about how and where beer is made and served, whether that is mere minutes or many hundreds of miles from my home. You could be forgiven to not recognize that there is a brewery in a certain part of the agricultural part of Montgomery County. Unless you happen to glance through the window, spot the stainless steel, and recognize it for what it was, the brewing equipment and vessels that make up the beating heart of the county's latest farm brewery. Driving in the back, the property opens up a little bit. It still has a very distinctive character from Brookfield Beer Farm and Waradaka in terms of the kind of family farm this was, as you'll hear in the discussion I'm about to share with you. The place, though, has a charm, has its own vibe, an aspiration that you can recognize even sitting down in what will be, hopefully, the nursery part of the brewery, where we record it, where you could hear on a brilliant fall day nature making its presence felt from the gentle chirping of the crickets in the background to the occasional gusts of wind that wreaked havoc with our microphones as well as traffic both overhead in the skies and on the road nearby. The tap room is still very much work in progress. Very excited to see how they navigate the unique challenges of a farm brewery opening up a space like this so more people can come out and experience the brewery directly a very compelling addition to the trio of farm breweries in the area, as well as to the growing presence that they have been able to establish with early distribution in selected parts of the county. A presence that hopefully will grow quite a bit soon, and in the discussion that I share with a couple of people behind Elder Pine, you'll hear some of the things to be looking out for soon that hopefully you are as excited about as am I. I'm at Elder Pine, the newest farm brewery in or near the Agricultural Reserve, to learn more about it from the people, some of the people behind it. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to you. It's good Thanks. to have you here. Yeah. To start with, just because we do have a couple of voices here, can you say your name and briefly your role here at Elder Pine? My name is Paul Davidson. I'm the head brewer and one of the co-founders. My name is Joe Becker, and I'm heading up our agricultural efforts here on the brewery, and uh also playing a fairly big role in our packaging um, and, you know, as much involvement in brewing and, and quality control and everything else that's involved with operating a brewery. What is it specifically about beer or brewing that called you to chase it? Hmm. <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, for me, it was, it was mostly the creative outlet, uh, being a musician, 
I, I always feel like I need to be creating something. And when we weren't at band practice and writing music and playing shows, I wanted another hobby to kind of fill my time. So started home brewing close to 10 years ago and uh, got really into it and decided to pursue it as a career. Uh, for me, it was, uh, I got out of college and uh, went to school for music and quickly realized it was going to be difficult to make a living off playing music or being involved in the music industry in general. And uh, I had a few jobs after college and uh, kind of made me realize that I needed something that was a little off the beaten path. And I had an opportunity to work at Flying Dog. And I knew as soon as I started there that that was the industry that I wanted to be a part of. I was, you know, good at what I did. I enjoyed the people that I worked with. I enjoyed, you know, the, the creative element. Um, I enjoyed the end result quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, it was, there were so many positives and, uh, I just felt like my personality and my work ethic and, and, you know, my skill set just worked well with the industry. And that was going on eight years ago. And here I am. So speaking of here, how did, this place gets started and how did you guys get involved with elder pine so we started about two and a half years ago um, this is the family farm and uh, it was just kind of sitting here no one was using it and just kind of getting overgrown and kind of ugly and we thought man we need to, we need to clean this place up so we uh yeah took care of some dead trees and, and built this building. And now we're going to focus a lot on growing hops that we can use in our own beer. And um, hopefully we can look into pelletizing so we can possibly start pelletizing our hops and maybe start some type of co-op and uh, go around to the other farm breweries around the area that are growing their own hops and kind of help everyone out. Yeah, that's uh, growing on site and, and being a part of the, the larger community, especially the two other farm breweries in the area, um, because we are, we're all in the same very small boat together. And uh, cooperation's as if not more important than competition, I think. And it's we have an opportunity to do something really cool. I've been growing hops for a long time now, and I've been looking for an opportunity to do it on a, on a larger scale. And, uh, you know, being able to grow on site and then also pelletize and and start a co-op is it's just it's just a really exciting idea for us and we're actually moving forward with that as we speak sitting here so yeah a lot of cool stuff coming up who is the family that owned the farm just to clarify uh it is the lynn family so george lynn and then his two cousins david and andrew young are also the other co-founders of elder pine it is myself george david and andrew and then we brought in joe and uh Greg to be our business manager. He's out beating the streets right now, selling beer. So, <laughs> what originally was grown here on this farm? Well, as you can see, we're surrounded by uh, <laughs> close to thirty-year-old uh, pine trees. So, the uh, the plan back in the early '90s was to plant these. Uh, we have white pine and blue spruce. Uh, the plan was to harvest them around year five or year seven for Christmas trees. And uh, that never happened, as you can see. So they're a little overgrown now. They were planted a little close together because they were intended on being harvested young. Um, but now they're just kind of choking each other out. And yeah, we just want get it, to get it cleaned up here. 
So is the name that obvious? Is it a reference to the fact that this was uh, actually a pine farm? Yep, yep, that's exactly yep. right. It is an old pine tree farm, and uh, yeah, we thought, why not? It's a cool name, Elder Pine Brewing and Blending. Uh, the blending is to focus on uh, sour beer. We do a lot of just different different barrels, different strains of botanomyces, and uh, make different sour beers, different wild beers, and the, the art behind it is blending everything back together. And... Yeah, we thought it was cool, uh, a wood-themed, barrel-aging sour brewery on an old tree farm. Is that why you call out the, the blending part of the business specifically? Uh, there are other, certainly, breweries in the county and in the state that have barrel programs and, I have to imagine, blending programs. They don't necessarily talk about that as to the public anyway, maybe as a big component, that seems to be a big part of your identity. Yeah, that was a big part of the initial business plan. Um, it won't happen for a while now, but we are planning on getting six fooders, the very large wooden vessels. Um, right now we have close to 80 wine and whiskey barrels on their way. So we're gonna start with these barrels, which still 80 is quite a bit. Uh, we're going to start with those, but yeah, we just wanted the, the public to see that, that blending in our name so that they know that we're not, we're not just a regular brewery. We do all kinds of innovative and fun things. When did you start brewing? I know that you started construction a while back and then started seeing some releases a few months ago of beers. I'm presuming in kegs since you just bought yeah, first beers that's in correct. Kegs. So we started selling beers brewed on our small batch system back in February of this year, 2018. Um, it was very, very small batch. I was only getting three sixtals out of each batch. Uh, and we were selling them to accounts that, that really loved it. And uh, they were very supportive to us. Downtown Crown, Lighthouse Liquors, Wet City, Wooden Keg, um, so many places, White Rabbit. Um, yeah, so we just kind of rotated between those places and over the past, what, seven months, I guess. And then, yeah, we just finally got our brew house and canning line operational. And now we're brewing 15 barrels at a time. We have 30 barrel fermenters, so we can brew 30 barrels at a time if we want to. A couple batches that I've brewed so far have been 30 barrels, but we're keeping it in smaller quantities for now while we get our name out. One of the questions I had in sort of researching and following what, what little you were release, releasing about, like those early six dolls that you, you were putting out, uh, the canning release that you just did, um, was whether you would have a tap room or not. Yeah, so we're diligently working on getting all of the approval that we need um, to be able to serve here on site. It is uh, at the top of our list. We would love to be able to do that, but we're still trying to iron out those details. Driving up, I was impressed. We're sitting out in what I'm presuming will be effectively a outside seating or a beer garden, if you will. Um, very nicely laid out. I can easily imagine what this would look like when you have those approvals and people are, are, are coming out. Yeah, we're, we're hoping that everything goes through and, and we can move forward and get people out here to see this beautiful farm. It is still pretty empty. Do you have plans? Can you talk about sort of when you get to that point? If you are able to bring people in, what else are you going to do to Talk this space plants? in particular? Talk about plants a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this whole area back here was kind of constructed as a, as a, I guess you could say a dual purpose. Um, 
but the the foundation of the idea for out here was um, more or less as a nursery um, where we could experiment with uh, growing different herbs, different spices. Um, we've been putting together ideas and I've been fabricating uh, a series of uh, steel racks to grow lemongrass and we're going to experiment with some different types of hops out, out here just to see what we can do with rhizome, rhizome growth and, and you know this is not a full 18 foot trellis system um, but we're kind of in a we're we're in a situation I think a lot of small farms and farm breweries are in where you're it's not an ideal situation you everyone works around certain restrictions um, and we're basically what we want to do with this back area is, is be able to not experiment only experiment with growth um, and different different processes with that but also have the ability to grow different herbs for experimentation in our beers um, and with doing that, it's it's going to be a pretty cool, um, you know, just just a green space. It's going to have it's going to have a phenomenal visual element, the aroma from from fresh growth out here. Um, we're looking at starting up growing more uh, pine, just pulling some saplings and start and start um, growing them up here in this, this nursery area, and then and then eventually moving them out back onto the actual farm um, to kind of breathe a little new life into that. Um, but this this area in particular, it's it's going to have you know, we're going to be able to grow. We're going to be able to experiment, like I said, with with what we're growing in the beers. But it's it's also I think going to allow once we're at the point where we can have people here, if if and when we get to that point, it'll kind of allow people to be more involved with with where everything starts and where everything goes. You know, it's just you know, I th like I said, I think the aromas and I think the visual element and I think being able to see actual growth and process is is a big part a big part for a lot of people you know people want to see the brew house they want to see your canning line they want to see your hop yard they want to see you know as weird as it sounds people you know they like seeing labels before they're applied they like seeing bottle caps and, and raw cans and and you know all the the individual elements that go into beer making and this space is going to be able to do that you know once we're at that point so the future is easy to imagine as you describe it the ingredients that you'll grow and experiment with. You are a farm brewery though. You're required to use things that are grown today in the beers that you're making today. Does that present a bit of a challenge given that the things that you're talking about are to come, like you're still building out the area here to make the, the capacity to grow those things. What, what are you using and how's that working? So right now we're harvesting um, pine boughs and needles. I brew a Saison that I age on pine needles. And, and pine boughs. Um, so that's coming through the pipeline and uh, yeah, can't wait for people to try that. But that's that's a part of one of the things that, like I said earlier, that, that everyone kind of works around certain restrictions and one of that, one of those restrictions that most people that either grow hops on a, on a large scale or small scale know is that it takes three to four years for the average hop plant to reach a level of maturity where you have a worthwhile yield, both for the characteristics of the hop and the, the, the quantity of the yield. And uh, that's, we're moving feverishly to get um, our plans in place so that we can start, um, you know, putting down cover crops so that we can till and, and be ready to plant and put poles in in the spring. It's something that we're, I'm actually, this is the paperwork pile of crap that I have in front of me right now is, is just, you know, yard proposals and, and, and we're, you know, deciding what varieties and what percentage to plant um, based off what we see coming down the pipeline for recipes. Um, 
and also just, you know, it's, we're going to try things that may not have been tried here before hop growth was. I mean, this is a relatively new region for hop growth. Um, and University of Maryland is doing studies on what, what varieties are growing well. Um, they're only two years in at this point, and they've had some, some good yield and some, some unfortunate uh, lackluster yields in certain varieties. Um, but it's, it's all part of that experimentation. It's all part of let's see what we can do with what we have. Um, and again, and that's like we said before about this, this nursery area in the back, the herbs and the spices, the lemongrass. Um, there's, there's a variety of different, different plants that we're looking either to use, actually looking to use in the beer, um, or we're going to look to grow and then see what can we do with this now that we have it grown. I mean, there's, it's a blank slate, which is awesome because it's, there's very little that we can't do. Um, you know, we're working in, in partnership, I guess, with the, the Ag Commission. Um, and they have, they have some things that they'd, they'd like to see. And, you know, we have some things that we'd like to do. And we're trying to get to the point where we're both on the same page with, you know, with this place moving forward. So it's all, it's coming together at a feverish pace at this point. So we're, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot going on in a short period of time. But yeah, we're, we're moving, we're moving forward so that when spring comes around, we'll be full swing. So that's the plan. I have to imagine the sort of sparseness of information about your progress is because you're spending so much time working at that pace to, to accomplish these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for the longest time, it was only two of us down here. And now our, our team has grown to six people. There's six people total. Um, but yeah, for the longest time, there was just two people here on the ground working. <laughs> that's why it's taken so long. Let's talk about the the beer bit. We talked about uh, a little bit about the blending. What? How do you approach sort of uh, the flavor that you're after? Do you think that that you'll have sort of a, a characteristic house style or set of styles that you produce, or you know, what's sort of your philosophy and approach to to the beer? I like big bold flavors, um, and I love drinkability. So I, I love low ABV stuff. Um, I prefer dark beer and saisons over over anything, and, and uh, not just saisons, but other farmhouse styles, beer to guard, and and uh, all sours, any 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 type of sour beer. Um, we we know the trends, we know uh, the way that the the brewing industry is shifting right now, so we're we're definitely paying attention to that. Um, we do make a lot of hop saturated IPAs and pale ales and things like that which we, we love as well, um, very much. But yeah, I, I'd say we're focusing on the hop saturation, farmhouse styles, sour beer, dark beer, barrel aging, anything. I've got a barley wine in the tank right now that we're going to put in rye whiskey barrels. And uh, yeah, we've got some red wine barrels coming. Uh, we've got some tequila barrels coming that were X red wine. So start the sour program. So yeah, there's a lot of lot of fun things coming down the line. Do you have plans? You mentioned the the pine bow saison. Do you have plans? Speaking of some of the things that Joe was talking about, that you're looking to, to grow or experiment with. Do you have ideas there? Are there things that that you can talk about that you're already anticipating in terms of yes. flavors that you'd be pulling in? Sure. So um, we'll we'll be doing a series of saisons. Um, We've already released a few of them. We have the, it's kind of like a mini series, like the villain, the villain series. We have oat villain, rye villain. Those two have been released so far from our small batch system. 
uh, and we're getting ready to release the first batch of Oat Villain that was brewed on our main brew house. So we have uh, a beer called Botanical Villain, where it's uh, an experimental saison, so to speak, uh, where each time we brew it, it'll be different herbs, different spices, different different adjuncts, different flavorings, whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it. But the first one that's coming out that we have planned is, uh, so the base beer, it's a rice and rye saison. So it's very dry, very crisp, very drinkable. And then uh, it gets hit with Sriracha Ace hops, which give it a nice like lemony, almost herbal um, type of note. And then we hit it with lemongrass, ginger, and Indian coriander which Indian coriander is actually different from standard coriander. It is very, very citrusy. So that one is on the brew schedule. That'll be being brewed very shortly. And I can't wait to release that beer. Yeah, that does sound delicious. Thank you. <laughs> you talked a little bit about the scale of the brew house. Can you talk a bit more about how it's put together, how it's organized? And notice just in walking through before we sat down, this is fairly impressive. Set up pretty, I think, anticipating some growth here potentially. Yes, absolutely. So we we designed this building to house many more tanks than we have. Uh, I think we'll be able to squeeze about 24 tanks in here total. We only have eight right now. We have six 30-barrel fermenters and two 30-barrel bright tanks. We have a three-vessel 15-barrel brew house. It's a mash-lauder combo. It is a kettle, and then we have a separate whirlpool. And, um, yeah, we have a grist case for our mash ton. So on double brew days, it makes it a little easier for us. Um, yeah, we, we put a lot of thought into designing uh, all the little bells and whistles that we got on the brew house, you know, all the extra valves. We got pneumatic, pneumatic everything, touchscreen control. And am I seeing two liquor tanks for those spot, both hot liquor tanks, or is it a hot, 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 hot and cold? Yep. We have a hot, a 30 barrel hot liquor tank and a 30 barrel cold liquor tank. Are you doing anything with sort of thermal recapture when you're... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So through the heat exchanger, uh, the CLT pumps the water through there, and then we recap it into the HLT. You know, we're all about uh, saving as much energy and, and resources as possible, especially because being a farm brewery, we don't have access to city water. So we're on a well. <laughs> What's the... What are the challenges with the well water? What kinds of things well, do you have to do? You don't mind me asking. No, not at all. The well water is awesome here. Yeah. It, it's, it is great. It is fantastic for brewing. It is fantastic for drinking. So the only thing we do is we run it through a carbon filter, and then I do my uh, water chemistry adjustments in the mash tun or kettle, uh, depending on the beer, whatever beer I'm brewing. Um, but the water is, is fantastic. We don't do reverse osmosis or anything like that. We just run it through a carbon filter. Um, the reason we got the CLT is just to make sure that we had enough uh, on hand. You know, it's basically like a reservoir for us. Like, yeah, we have a thousand gallons underground, but I wanted another thousand gallons in the brewery. So, Are there beers that we can look forward to where you're not adjusting the water or you're only doing it mentally to get a sense of just how great that water is? That's an interesting idea. That is an interesting idea. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I can I can leave minerals out. Uh, you almost have to acidify the water a little bit, especially for if you're brewing like a real low ABV saison or something. There's not enough grain uh, in the grain bill to bring down the pH of the mash to where you want it to be. So you have to add 
some you have to add something lactic sure. acid, phosphoric acid, and whatever. Potentially, you might have to add some things for yeast help to make sure that the oh, fermentation takes off and, and runs well. I, I meant more in terms of like I know that you know when you talk about adjusting for style uh, as a home brewer, I do, I've gotten into doing that. So you're paying attention to the ratio of calcium chloride to sulfate yep. to get either a more minerally kind of flinty to help bring the hop character forward or something a little softer that helps bring malt sweetness forward. And I've, I've definitely done some beers because I feel like the municipal water that I have is actually pretty darn good to really just focus on that and let the, mm. the water come through. So that, that's what informed the question. Is oh, okay. sort of like, yeah, I've brewed uh, on our small get, small batch system. I've brewed without making any mineral adjustments, and the beers turned out great, especially the dark beers. Yeah, we have we have really nice water for dark beers. We talked a little bit about the beer that's going out. We talked a little bit about the tap room. What do you see, or what's in the plan in terms of sort of to get more into the business of the brewery, uh, the relative distribution between sort of outbound sales and what you might do on premise. Well, right now, since we don't have uh, an on-premise like retail location, we're strictly focusing on distribution. We're self-distributing everything. Um, so we have George and Greg are out there all the time, just hitting up places, bars, restaurants, retail shops, and and the beer's moving very quick. Considering we just started canning what, last week or a week and a half ago or so, and uh, yeah, so that's that's looking really good. So we're gonna keep focusing on. I'm distributing. We're trying to reach that uh, 75% cans to 25% kegs. We're trying to get to that ratio. Um, but yeah, we'll see when we can bring people here and then we would love to start doing can releases and things like that. Why that particular ratio of cans to kegs? We think that people really want 16 ounce cans right now. That's what that's what we want. <laughs> that's what we want to drink. Um, you know, when guys like us we're so busy we don't get to go out to bars and go drinking a lot so it's it's we like to be able to go to a packaged goods store and be able to get some awesome fresh beer and that's what we're really focused on is keeping everything fresh so yeah we just love to to spread it out give give each store you know pick a couple stores in each county across maryland and give them five cases of each beer and and once it's gone it's gone and then when we brew it again we'll get them another five cases. You know, we, we just love to keep everything as fresh as possible. We don't want to saturate the market with the same five beers over and over and over again. So some of the beers that we brew, you might not see them rebrewed for months. How does that contrast to the longer term plan to, to go into barrels, the beers that you're going to invest some time and I'm sure you're going to release them when you feel like they're optimal for enjoyment. That's and still, people might decide to put those down because often those are are crafted well enough that they can't put them down. Right. Yeah, we'll see when we cross that bridge. We'll we'll, we'll see, but uh, we are going to get a manual bottle filler, so all of our barrel aged stuff will go into either three hundred and seventy five milliliter bottles or seven hundred and fifty milliliter bottles. We're looking at doing cork and cage style bottles. We we think that's a nice touch. Um, we're gonna try and maybe get some like fancy uh, oblong shaped bottles or something, you know, just something to to get away from the norm, you know, that standard Belgian style, which is a great bottle. But you know, we we've spent so much time into the the making the brand what it is, so we wanna we wanna make sure it, it represents us, make properly. it stand out, exactly, have it be yeah. something distinctive that people might go, what is that, and grab it to try it out, yeah. and then once they know it. 
that go make a beeline, go right, right. back for that distinctive <laughs> bottle design. Is there anything else I haven't asked that you'd like people to know about Elder Pine? Well, um, we make beer that we really love. We really enjoy it, and we hope you do too. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting note also that that we can speak to our, our friends that we've made over the years that are you know that are in the brewing industry with us that uh, Paul, George, and myself have all come up kind of through the ranks of the brewing industry in, in different areas. Um, and this, for me, when they were building this place, and even before they started building this place, and, and we would have kind of informal discussions about, you know, kind of, you know, achieving the dream. A lot of a lot of guys that work in, in you know the brewing industry, especially larger breweries, you know, there's this pretty consistent. I want to smart. I want to start a small brewery. I want to start my own my own project and be able to go my own direction and achieve my own goals. And you know, and we started. You know, they started really discussing seriously about doing this and. and it was probably the hardest two, two and a half years of my life waiting, <laughs> waiting for the opportunity to officially come on board. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is, you know, something that we've been working towards, you know, as individuals and as a group of people. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting. You think, I, I thought I loved the industry before and I'd come into work every day with a smile on my face and I would do everything and anything just because I love being a part of it. And, I know Paul and George are the exact same, and now we have this opportunity where, you know, I, I came home from a 14-hour day, the first canning canning run we had, and there wasn't a minute of it that I wasn't ear-to-ear -ear smiling. And I came home, and my wife said the exact same thing. Like, how do you, the difference, you know, when you have an opportunity like this to express yourself and work hard and create something that you love and, and you'll be able to share that with other people. I mean, it's, it's huge. It's, it's like something we've, we've been working very, very hard and very, very long for. So it's exciting. And it's, it's going to be cool if, you know, it's just, we have a beer tasting today. Um, at, uh, Yield Spirit Shop in Frederick and Frederick. Four to have seven. some, have some, some very good friends that we've met over the years of working there that are, that are hosting the, the tasting and, to get to interact with those people on like with, with the beer that we made, you know, the beer that, that every single step of the process is in house. And, and it's, it's exciting. It's just fun. It's, it's fulfilling. It's like everything for us. So, you know, speaking to all our friends that are in the brewing industry, it's like, Hey, this, you know, this is, this is big for us. Yeah. It's huge. We've put a lot of time and energy and, and thought into this place. Yeah. And to have the motivation, uh, I've, I've certainly heard that from folks in the industry. Everybody, you know, home, all home brewers want to become pro at some sure, point. Yeah. All, <laughs> yeah. all brewery workers harbor that dream. Yet to have the motivation, to have the passion, to, to find that moment, to have the patience to work, yeah. you know, more yeah. than two years before you're able to join in <laughs> mm -hmm. in something that you're helping building. It's pr pretty amazing. And then now fast forward, going out to a tasting. Say so you make the beers that you like make the beers that, that you want to drink to be able to go out in the world too and interact because you're doing it all for yourself and right. see the look on people's face when they take that first sip and to talk to them about their impression and see what, what they're finding that you expect them to find that you enjoy and maybe things that surprise you. Yeah. And it just makes us even more passionate about what we do. Yeah. Talking to people over a beer, man, that's, 
Yeah, there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's good stuff. So what's coming up in terms of events, tastings, beer releases, things that you're excited about that you want to be so to know got, about? We've got a few things to talk about. Um, not much since we're just getting going. Um, we have two awesome new beers to release. We're canning uh, Oat Villain, our hoppy oat saison next week. Um, I'm sure it'll be out by the time this podcast airs. So look for it. It's awesome. It's got a great label. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably our favorite label. Um, the artwork is amazing. I, I just I can't get over it. But it's a uh, it's a very 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 silky smooth saison, which is very different. You know, saisons are typically dry and crisp, and and I used almost 50% oats in the in the grain bill, so it's very silky smooth and it's quite hoppy. It gets a very big dry hop. Uh, we're very, very excited for that. Uh, you can see that in stores around Maryland soon. And then uh, we are releasing Nordic Broom. Broom as in B-R-U-M-E. It's like very misty fog. This is our uh, updated version of Nordic Haze, which was one of our most popular beers that we brewed on our uh, small batch system. So Nordic Broom... It's a rotating hop series. It's fermented with Kvike, a very unique Norwegian yeast that we love here. We absolutely love it. Um, that'll be canned on October 10th, I believe, and we're doing a can release for that at Lighthouse Liquors in Baltimore uh, on October 12th. So that'll be a very, very good time. We're looking forward to that. And there's a couple, a couple other fun beers like Botanical Villain that I mentioned. Um, we'll be brewing our rye porter soon called Transpire, and that is going into Sagamore rye whiskey barrels. Some of it will, any, anyhow. So we, we also have some friends and connections at Sagamore. They're great people out there. So, yeah, we've got some, we've got some really fun things coming out. But, yeah, we're very excited for Oat Villain and Nordic Broom. Your logo artwork is very distinctive. So I have to imagine when you say that's your favorite label design. Can you talk... I was remiss in, in uh, asking about this earlier about the the logo design and then maybe talk a little bit about the uh, label design your favorite label design for that forthcoming year. sure so we have a few beers that have their own labels uh, they have their own distinctive artwork but a lot of our beers for now are going to go in this special release can uh, pliable foe and tree gazer are the two beers we have out right now a good portion of the beers that we'll be releasing over the next, I'd say, six months or so are going to be in this special release can. So the only difference will be, obviously, the name, the style, the ABV, if there's anything added into it there on the side of the label. And then each uh, different style of beer will get a different color topper, a four-pack carrier. Um, so there will be some distinction there between, I mean, the labels will all look pretty similar, but... Uh, the topper should should stand out. We have this really nice sort of woodcut sort of style to the logo and to the special release label. Yeah, so a lot of our artwork has this woodcut, this old colonial style feel to it. Uh, we're very excited. We worked with um, Studio Malt based out of Chicago to do all of our design for us, and they they killed it. They absolutely, uh, it, it's it's amazing. And then these gold labels that we have, we're we're over the moon about them. I, I think they look so good over these black cans with the black background. Yeah. If people want to track those beer releases, they want to learn more, they want to follow along as you continue to grow 
and realize your plan. Where's the best place for them to find that? So, of course, social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook are two most um, trafficked, I'd say. We also have a Twitter, but we're not too um, active on Twitter, I'd say. We kind of just post the same, you know, the same thing goes to pretty much all of our social media accounts. But uh, Instagram and Facebook, for sure, and then our website as well. So there's a section on our website uh, marked locations where you can go and it brings up a whole map of Maryland and it shows all the spots, bars and restaurants and retail shops that sell our beer. So as we start distributing, we'll be updating that section of our website um, pretty frequently. And then we're also considering, uh, we've been talking about this the past couple of days about what else to do, how, how we can uh, talk about can releases and where deliveries are going on our social media. So we're still developing things for that, but definitely check social media, uh, Elder Pine Beer on Instagram and, and Twitter. And then I believe it's Elder Pine Beer on Facebook as well. But uh, yeah, just check social media and our website. Or those are the best spots. And the website address is just elderpine.com. Fantastic. Paul, Joe, Thomas, thank, thank you. Thanks thank you me. so much for joining me today. Absolutely. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. In the next dialogue of a peculiar character, I head back to Howard County to sit down with Mike Tonsmeyer and Scott Janish to talk about the just-opened Sapwood Cellars. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please send them to feedback at peculiarcharacter.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please help spread the word. Tell a friend about it. Please consider supporting the show financially by visiting patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash peculiar character and become a backer. Patrons enjoy special behind the scene access and bonus content. The support of my patrons is greatly appreciated. Until next time, chase what calls you. I would like to thank the Internet Archive for media hosting and bandwidth. The views expressed on this program are my own and where applicable those of my guests and in no way reflect those of my employer or anyone else. This show is produced from 100% recycled bits. Except where noted, permission to recycle those further is granted under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. That means you're free to change this show as much as you like as long as you don't alter credits and you share your changes under the same license. Theme music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.